Hey, I'm Jason Wood, the VA Loan Guy and host of the Armed and Ready podcast. Please come and check out this exciting episode we have for you. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Armed and Ready podcast. I'm your host, Jason Wood, the VA Loan Guy. Today we have Army Ranger Jesse Fuchsia with us today. He's also a real estate investor, so we're super pumped to get a chance to talk to Jesse, learn about his story, and uh, all the cool stuff he's been doing on, on the investing side. So, uh, Jesse, thanks so much for being with us, man. It's awesome to have you here. Jason, it's a privilege to be here, brother, with the uh, who I would refer to as the godfather of the VA loan, <laughs> titans of the industry. So to be here with you and and all the value that you add with all the people you have on, again, it's a privilege to be here with you, brother. So I appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, well, thanks, man. I, um, I really appreciate the kind words. Um, so, you know, you're, you're, you're in this real estate thing, but you're still serving in the military, which I think for um, a lion's share of people is kind of like the gears grind a little bit on that. Like, oh, my gosh, how do you how do you do that? And be in the military at the same time, like, isn't real estate something you do after you get out? And I, you know, have a lot of those conversations, you know, um, with people. So tell us a little bit about your story. And, and uh, you're now you're on the East Coast, right? You're in New York right now. Uh, so I'm born and raised in upstate New York, but I've split my military time between uh, upstate New York with the 10th Mountain and also the 75th Ranger Regiment at Fort Benning, Georgia. But uh, how, how I got into real estate, it's kind of a funny story. Back in college, uh, four or five years ago, I was getting ready to move off campus and just like looking for places to live with my buddies and stuff, um, looking at properties. And uh, we were like, man, <laughs> so many of these properties kind of suck and they're, they're owned by what we refer to as a slumlord or someone who just pulls money out of the property and doesn't put anything back in. So basically, I pitched my father, who was an accredited investor. I pitched a couple of my buddies and was like, you know, what if we bought one of these houses, obviously put money into it, took great care of it. Um, and rented it by the bedroom as opposed to renting it by the unit because it's it's student housing. They're all college students. Nobody's related to each other. You know, back at the uh, napkin math, I knew we could double the gross revenue on day one of the takeover by just implementing that different business model. So what started as kind of like a good idea, you know, five years ago, five, six years ago has grown into a uh, 12 property portfolio that we own in upstate New York. Um, spanning over 70 bedrooms that we rent to college students and, and stuff like that. Um, but that was, that was back in college. That was even before the military. But uh, once I commissioned in the military through just ROTC in upstate New York, uh, again, I uh, split my time between the 10th Mountain Division at Fort Drum and then had the honor and privilege of serving with the uh, 75th Ranger Regiment on Fort Benning, which has been an incredible opportunity to serve with, you know, those incredible men and women and, and the greatest uh, non-commissioned officers and, and officers and, and junior soldiers in the world. So that's been a privilege, but the military is a huge part of my life. I mean, growing up in upstate New York, and as we record this episode, we actually are approaching the 20-year anniversary of 9-11 this weekend. And uh, I deployed in the spring of 2020. And when I went on that deployment, I actually carried a piece of steel rebar from the World Trade Center on me. Uh, with my kit to the, on my kit, sorry, to the Middle East. So that's kind of a big why for me and, and what I've done in serving in the military and 9-11, even though I'm not from New York City, I'm from upstate, but just being a New Yorker, that was a huge part of my life and uh, and stuff like that and, and what an impact that's kind of had. But that's how I kind of got into kind of the small game of real estate and really the student houses are all single family, uh, what we refer to as residential real estate of four units or below. And then about six or probably at the end of 2020, I kind of made that uh, 
that mindset jump of like, Hey, I, I really enjoy this real estate thing. You know, how can we do bigger deals and how can I make that jump into commercial real estate? And, um, obviously began networking, began studying, began researching books, podcasts, everything under the sun, um, networking as much as I could. And, uh, this summer we went under contract with 140 unit, uh, mobile home park portfolio in upstate New York that we're hoping to get across the finish line here within the next month or two. So kind of a super quick synopsis of like a 30 or two minute, uh, you know, my why and, and where I'm coming from. But uh, yeah, to kind of hit your point, I've done this whole thing. I'm, I'm still active duty army. My, my purpose is still to continue to, to continue my military career as I do this, but uh, that's kind of uh, who I am and, and where I'm coming from, Jason. That's, it's really cool and, and refreshing to hear that, you know, like as we talk about, um, and I have this conversation with clients often, you know, you talk about wealth creation, you know, there's five or six ways really in our country to get wealthy. Um, and the, the one that is the most accessible to everybody is real estate, right? And, and there's some others, you know, like inheritance, you marry into it, you win the lotto, you build a big company and you sell it, right? But, but real estate is, is really the opportunity that exists for everybody, right? It's just understanding, you know, how to access it. And, um, so there's a knowledge uh, barrier there, I think, for a lot of folks. So um, uh, tell us, you know, like your first property, and I, I think this is probably a, a good story for people to hear, um, because here you are a college student, right? Like, you're not out there with some banging six-figure career and a bunch of money in the bank, you know, like, you're a, college kids are broke, <laughs> you know, like, college kids don't have money. So how are you buying real estate in your college kids? So walk us, how did you guys put this together? How did you make the very first property happen? This first property wasn't bought with a VA loan. But really, I mean, I want to say we paid and we're not paying this much now for these properties. But this was back in 2015, where we could get a duplex for less than $150,000. That was 2000 square feet and eight bedrooms. So with $150,000, really, we all we had to do was put down 30000 or 20% for that. So again, pitched a couple of my buddies and, and pitched my father. And I think we all or five or six of us went in at $5,000 each. And we bought this property together uh, that we rent that we rented by the bedroom. But I think people get super intimidated by, um, you know, buying real estate, and they look at these massive down payments and stuff like that. But I'm telling you that and you already hit the nail on the head with how powerful real estate is with wealth creation and stuff like that. I guarantee that there's someone in your network that has money that could be utilized for a down payment on a property that like I'm, I'm living in the house. I'm helping manage it, Jason. I'm, I'm finding the tenants. I'm working it on the day to day and the property's just cash flowing and, and my father's getting paid back and, and my buddies too and, and stuff like that. So, but it's funny. I just had this conversation with one of my soldiers the other day who's thinking about using his VA loan. And I got him into this and I, I got him to uh, actually utilize it for a duplex where he's now going to house hack it. So the VA loan, obviously, I don't need to tell you, and I'm sure all your listeners know, can be utilized for any residential real estate of four units or below. So he's going to utilize this VA loan. He's going to live in one half of it, go zero down, and then he's going to rent out the other half of it. And the income generated from that other unit is going to cover his entire mortgage payment. Um, but I, I mean, I'm always educating my soldiers on the power of the VA loan and how anybody can really invest in real estate when you're in the military. But that's kind of a, how we kind of put that first deal together and how today I'm still educating my soldiers on the importance of VA loan and zero down and everything like that. You know, it's so, 
it's so crucial that you know guys in in the military who are in a position of leadership or influence are sharing that that knowledge with everyone else because um, you know the military by itself doesn't train you on how to invest in real estate, right? They don't teach you about the VA loan or, or any kind of, you know, really civilian activities, right? Because you're there to be a soldier. And that and that's that's obviously the purpose and the reason you're there, and that's the military's drive. Like, they're not there to make you a real estate mogul. They're there to make you a good soldier, right? So I get that. But um, at the same token, being active duty in the military is such a phenomenal opportunity to create wealth. There's so much at your fingertips, and I think – um, you know, guys like you sharing that with your, sh- your soldiers is going to set them, it's going to change their life. You know, you fast forward to the point where they hit retirement and, Absolutely. you know, they picked up, you know, maybe not as many doors as you have, but they, you know, they pick up five, six, eight doors along the course of a 20 year career. And the most of that real estate is approaching being paid off soon at that moment in time. And, you know, when they hit retirement, they got a lot of options, um, and, and there is wealth resting right there in the equity in all these homes. And, you know, they have options. What, what are they going to do with it? And it's, it's a lot different story than, hey, I did my 20 years. I'm out. I got my disability and my pension, and that's it, right? Like, you can survive, obviously, off of that. But, you know, at what, what level of survival do you want to be at, right? And um, so, yeah, I think that's really cool. I talk to um, folks a lot, you know, being in the San Diego and the Southern California area, um, you know, home prices are pretty high out here. So, you know, it it can make some of the conventional math on rental income and stuff like that, it can really skew the picture and make it harder, right? Um, it made it harder for the properties to pencil and even harder for like an active duty military person to make the math work because you might be here for three years, maybe five if you're lucky. But depending on the rate of appreciation, that may not be long enough, right? Um, to have to liquidate the property or whatever. So, um, you know, that the, the piece you kind of hit on with, you know, buying the duplex and advising your soldier to get the duplex. I talk to a lot of folks about multifamily as well um, because the math makes so much sense, right? And in your example, and, and we've done several that are very similar, right, where the, the rent from those tenants, whether it's a, you know, if it's a four unit and the active duty soldier or is um, living in one, they're collecting rent from three or duplex. You're living in one and renting the other one out. Uh, but we've done so many where the rents cover the mortgage payment or the bulk of the mortgage payment, right? So, you know, that Southern California BAH, you know, if you're if you're E5 or higher, that BAH is like three grand a month. So, yes. you know, if if you if you can look at that and go, okay, here's a real opportunity to put two to three grand a month away and save, save, save while someone else is paying for your place to live, um, you know, add that up over three to five years. And now you get your PCS to another part of the country and you got this nest egg, right? You've got enough for reserves in case something happens to your tenants, but you've also got enough to go make the next investment. Yeah. I mean, completely agree. And just to caveat off that point, again, I had this conversation on a weekly basis with my soldiers and it's like, you know, if you look at the length of a 20 year career or even a 10 year career, someone who gets out at the halfway point, if you just VA loaned uh, a duplex or a triplex or even a single family home at every duty station you go to. And then by the time you get out and you've already hit this, you've got three, four, five, maybe six houses across the country in great markets because these military bases 
the towns thrive off the, the base. So they need people to live there. There's always people moving there. There's always going to be a demand for housing. It's like, dude, you could get out with a 20 year pension, have four, five, six houses, they're cash flowing. They're almost paid off. You're just sitting on the couch every day, enjoying retirement at like 40 years old. You yeah. know, it's, it's a no brainer. I mean, I tell my soldiers every day, like, listen, y'all need to make sure you're using your VA loan. Like get with me. I will connect you with people. I will, I will show you, I will help you pencil the numbers. Like this is a no brainer. If you're a soldier out there and you're not using your VA loan, it's like, you got to get on it for sure. But just to kind of caveat off that. There's kind of that next level, right? Which you're, you're, you're already playing in that next level, which is the commercial space. And, um, you know, being able to get involved in deals like that, um, I'll kind of let you share your experience of, you know, how are you able to pull that off? Right. I think a lot of people, just how we talked about, you know, buying the first home, there can be kind of a, like a wall, like, Oh, I don't have the down payment. I don't have the awesome job or all this stuff. And then you, you know, you kind of step up to commercial where the numbers are way bigger. Right. So now we're dealing with, you know, way bigger purchase prices, bigger dollars for down payment. Like everything is just bigger, which makes it seem, it makes that hurdle seem a lot higher. Um, so tell us how you kind of navigated that. To kind of make that jump from residential real estate of a couple college houses to over 140 units. I mean, you know, first off, I'm a huge believer in, in mindset and, you know, whether, whether you think you can or you think you can't, either way, you're right. And I, I think it all starts with mindset. And it was just a, it was a, you know, it was a mindset shift. It was a decision. It was a, hey, I want to do bigger deals. I know what my end state is. My end state is to do a hundred unit plus deals. Let me backwards plan off that and, and what it's going to take to get there. You know, it's going to be a lot of networking. There's going to be a lot of books. There's going to be a lot of podcasts. There's going to be a lot of research and stuff like that. But I, I, you know, I would advise anyone when making that jump, if it's from residential to commercial or if it's in any type of major career tier in their, in their life, it starts with mindset. You have to believe that you can do it. If you don't believe you can do it, there's no point in even starting because you're, you will fail. So that, that'd be my first major point is it's just a mindset shift of like, hey, this is what I'm going to do now. It, I mean, there's going to be some bumps in the road. I'm going to get kicked in the face, but it's a part of the journey. You know, but uh, really, it was a mindset shift, and then it, this deal that we put together—it's it's pretty incredible. And I'll—I'll I'll briefly just describe it for your viewers and stuff like that. So, this deal went on market in early 2020, and I reached out to the broker and reached out to the seller, and he wasn't interested for selling at a a lower price point of what I wanted. So basically, I hand wrote this letter. I followed up each month with the broker with the seller for over a year until we got this deal under contract uh, this past summer, because he had several buyers fall through over 2020 with issues with lending on mobile home parks during COVID and, and issues with that and stuff like that. So there's a lot of persistence that went into it as well, of following up on it every single month, uh, handwriting letters. I mean, it got pretty crazy there for a little bit, but over a year it took us, uh, but we got the deal under contract. And what's super unique about this deal is we actually use creative finance for it. So the seller is actually going to, what we refer to as holding the mortgage, or he's going to utilize seller financing in this situation, which is going to allow us uh, about a 10% down payment, which is pretty significant. So just to go off of, again, where you're talking about the, the down payment, and, and trust me, I'm with you that it's intimidating, especially when you get to commercial and it's like, hey, we got to come up with $2 million to put down on this property. But I assure you the down payment for this deal, it's much smaller than that because we were able to really build that relationship with the seller and utilize seller financing where in this situation, the seller acts as the bank 
And really whatever terms we agree to is going to be the terms of the loan and the amortization and stuff like that. But those are, those are kind of the key major points I would note and, and making that jump and how we kind of gotten this deal under contract today and, and where we're going. So, yeah. And I think, you know, for our audience, you know, kind of much like the fashion of how you bought the first house, um, you know, and got dad to pitch in some money, partnered up with your friends, you know, and collected the 30,000 that you needed for the down payment on that. A lot of commercial deals that I learn uh, function in a similar manner, right? Where, I mean, of course, it's more structured. There's there's more legality behind it because we're dealing with bigger dollars and everything else. But conceptually, it's not a whole lot different, right? Where you're rallying up people that have money. Like, hey, look, do you want a piece of this? You know, you put in X dollars, you'll have X of a percent of this thing. Here's what we project the numbers are going to look like and, you know, how much we're going to earn off of it and everything else. And, you know, you'll recoup your money by a certain period of time unless we sell it before then. Um, and so it's it's very similar to how you kind of piece together the very first property with um, which was, you know, probably a, a lot less structured, but um, but similar. Am I, am I right? Yeah, no, you're, you're hitting the nail on the head. And it's like, again, making that jump, it was like, and, and this is a, this is what's crazy. Also, this is an, an apartment. It's a mobile home park portfolio, which mobile home parks are a phenomenal asset class out there in commercial real estate. And, and they're really not that well sought after just because I think there's a stigmatism with owning uh, what people will refer to as trailer parks and stuff like that. But I think that really just speaks to, you know, my investment style and, and really, you know, what I advise everyone to do, and it, it's kind of part of being like a, what I would describe as a contrarian or, you know, everyone's looking left, Jason, and I'm looking right to find that opportunity to identify that underlying pattern, you know, and I would advise that to anyone, not just in real estate, you know, also in the military or any career that they have in, in their life. You know, if you, if you see everyone walking left, don't be afraid to take a step right and be able to identify that pattern and see what's over there because there's very possibility and a great example is this mobile home park portfolio that's seller financing 50 cents on the dollar. There's very well, there's going to be an incredible opportunity if you're willing to look the other way and maybe walk the path that not everyone's uh, willing to walk. But I just wanted to caveat off that and, and how important that piece was too as well uh, for making that jump and making these gains over the past couple months. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's, that's sage advice for those that are listening too. is, you know, when everyone's going right, look left. And I, I see, you know, on social media, I follow a lot of different kind of entrepreneurial type folks, right? And so, you know, they do their posts and stuff, which are motivational and, and thought provoking. But a lot of it is centered around that exact same comment that you made, right? Is like, you know, if if everybody's, you know, going to the right, take a look over here to the left, because, you know, it's it's that it's that taking the risk or being different or, or looking outside of, you know, where everyone else is focused is where a lot of the opportunities really lie. Um, could there be some challenges or some, some issues? Sure. Right. Like every, every good successful person falls on their face at some point in time, maybe multiple times. Right. And you've heard those stories too, of all the pro athletes and all that stuff. Right. So the only shots are the one worth taking are the, you know, you know, the ones he missed all that stuff. So, um, I think that's really, really good advice for people to start kind of looking a little bit different from the norm. Right. And like in that commercial space, you know, you've hit the nail right on the head. Like there is, there is a stigma about like trailer parks, right? Yeah, but, you know, everybody has to have a place to live. So, you know, they're either buying their own home, living in an apartment, renting a house, renting a mobile home, buying a mobile, like they're living somewhere. 
You know, the, the, yeah. po the, the homeless population is not 330 million Americans, right? Like everyone, pretty much everyone's living somewhere. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, I think people underestimate the demand for affordable housing in this country right now is really through the roof. And I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head. Everyone needs a place to live. Everyone needs a safe, secure, clean place to live. It, it doesn't matter if you're, you know, upper, middle, middle, lower class, whatever it is, but the demand for affordable housing in specific um, is, is through the roof right now in this country. And it's, it's, only, it's only getting bigger. So really a long-term play with mobile home parks is actually really, really a positive, strong play right now. And I'd be happy to, you know, offline or you can put my contact information in the show notes. Anyone who has questions about mobile home park investing or anything like that, I'd love to connect and network with. But uh, yeah, I mean, you're, you're hitting it and the demand for affordable housing is, is huge right now in this country. So that was part of also the play that we looked into. So Yeah, no, there's an article um, just this morning in Housing Wire talking exact, just about this exact topic of, you know, the demand for affordable housing. And as, you know, we've watched over, gosh, we've been on quite a run with appreciation, you know, I mean, since, yeah, you know, I think 2000, 11 was kind of the bottom. So, you know, we've been on a 10 year run of strong appreciation nationwide and in certain markets on fire appreciation, right? Um, which is great if you already own the real estate. But if if you're just trying to get in, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, this stuff is so expensive. How do you do it? Even if it's just looking for a place for yourself to live, not necessarily an investment, right? Um, so the demand for something that is more affordable is continuing to grow. And, um, you know, I think people kind of lose sight of that because they're focused on, oh, I got to, I got to figure out a way to buy, you know, this, this over here on the right where everyone else is going. It's a tough time to get into real estate just with the appreciation, but, uh, who, who knows, nobody has a crystal ball at, at when this could, uh, very possibly burst or when we could see a recession or something like that. But I mean, in my opinion, real estate is one of the greatest hedges against inflation that we have in this country. And, uh, it's, it's a, it's an awesome asset. I mean, there's nothing better than investing in a hard asset and that's what real estate is as opposed to, uh, investing in something like the stock market. That's as volatile as it is. I, I always recommend that, you know, anyone who's anyone, if, if you can, re if you can invest in a hard asset, like real estate, that's going to appreciate over time. In my opinion, it's, it's really a no brainer, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, when looking back on the last couple of years, it's been a huge journey. I mean, you hear all the success and you hear, you know, man, we got this deal and we got this deal, but, uh, you know, you don't hear about the hundreds of times of getting my face kicked in and getting the LOI shut down and, and getting laughed at and, and stuff like that. And I'll never forget, um, an NCO that I worked with, um, you know, taught me an important lesson and really I, I take this with me, you know, wherever I go. And, uh, you know, he said, uh, Jesse or, or whatever he said, Sir Captain Tusha, you know, there are, there are thousands of things in this world that we cannot control, but how hard we work is not one of them. And really that kind of has just stuck with me, not just through my military career, but through my investment career as well. And what you've seen in the past years. And I'm 26 years old, Jason, we've got 140 units under, under contract today. I, I think by 30, I think I'll be pretty close to 10,000 doors. That's the, uh, that's the goal. So uh, that, that, uh, that's the five-year goal or four-year goal. So that's an incredible goal. Um, wow. 10,000 doors. Um, you'll be set. <laughs> um, so how, so how have you put this together now? Do you have like a group that you're part of now that is, are, are going, are you still trying to do this solo and doing it on your own or how are you really orchestrating this? 
Yeah, no, it's a great question. And again, got into the student housing, started with my father, and that's that's pretty family driven and stuff like that. As we branch into this mobile home park uh, portfolio, uh, you know, my father is in on it as well. We're also looking at uh, adjacent partners, but really I'll be up there at Fort Drum by next spring. That's about 45 minutes from the portfolio. So from a boots on the ground point of view of a day-to-day -day asset manager, that'll probably uh, rely mostly on me where I'll be in direct contact with the onsite manager and stuff like that. Um, but currently being down here in uh, Georgia, a lot of my job is behind the computer, um, really, you know, talking to brokers on a day-to-day -day basis, crunching numbers, reaching out to contractors and, and stuff like that. So right now, just where we're at, it's, it's really kind of family oriented. Everybody just picks up the piece of the puzzle that they're the best at and, and we work pretty well together. But as we uh, branch out here within the next, you know, 12 months or so and start raising capital from private investors to do syndications and and larger deals will definitely be starting to branch out to uh, bring on other partners and, and stuff like that. So that'll definitely be a huge challenge for us, but I mean, something that we're definitely looking forward to. So it'll be exciting. Really exciting. What are you seeing in, in the commercial space right now? You know, where, where are you seeing most people kind of run to that's kind of made you look over to, um, you know, the mobile home parks and stuff? Where, where, where are most people like focusing their energy? So right now, I mean, I would definitely say apartment buildings, and I would also probably caveat and say self-storage are two super, super hot asset classes in commercial real estate. So any type of multifamily property or apartment building over 100 units is, I mean, you're, you're probably looking, depending on the MSA and where it's located, I mean, easily 20 to 50 LOIs getting submitted on it. I mean, it really is that crazy hot at some of these MSAs around the country. And, and self-storage is pretty uh, considerable to that as well. So, so again, you know, it, it was kind of that mindset. I'm a big hunter. I, I like to hunt. So it's like, you know, where can I set my tree stand up that none of the other hunters are setting their tree stand up at? You know, where can I hunt that nobody else is hunting at? You know, we can find these phenomenal cash flowing deals over in these mobile home parks. You know, maybe that could be a, a great gateway into something bigger. But, you know, what we've seen here over the last year is, and you've already hit it, and it's the appreciation of real estate has really boomed into commercial in apartments and self-storage. So that's what kind of motivated us on our end, at least to, again, look to the right, view that opportunity and try to capitalize on it. And so far we've had uh, the ability to do so. So I think it's going to be a true testament to, you know, that fortitude of just, you know, controlling how hard you work, right? Because you got a full-time job, you're, you're active duty army, right? And, yeah. you know, that's, that's all day, every day, right? And um, so, you know, you're working this in the cracks of time. And so it, it eliminates that, well, hey, I don't have enough time, right? Well, here's a, guy, here's a guy who's making it happen, and he's still got all those same military responsibilities, you know? I would encourage anybody, like, don't wait to invest in real estate till you're out of the military. Like, I'm, like trust me, I'm, I'm doing these deals right now. Like, yeah, it is a, uh, it is a sacrifice, and, like, I'm super lucky because, you know, my wife's a rock star. So, like, I get home at 4 p.m. every day, and, like, I start – banging on the computer, start doing commercial real estate and stuff like that. And, and she's smashing it here at home while also working a full-time job. Um, I'm super lucky to have her, but I, I would tell anybody that this is so, so doable by doing it when you're in the military. Like if it is just VA loan and a quadplex or a triplex or something like that, or making that jump to commercial, like I am currently, you know, whether, whether you think you can, or you think you can't, you're right. If you just make that mindset decision of like, Hey, I want to, create multiple streams of income. I'm going to do that by utilizing my VA loan 
on a triplex or something like that, it's, it's so doable, Jason, you just got to make the commitment and you got to make the time just like anything. So tell us a little bit, you know, we're, we're coming up on the 20 year anniversary of nine 11 and you know, a lot, a lot of TV programs and stuff like that are geared towards it, which was just this huge, huge event, which obviously sparked, um, you know, our, uh, engagement in Afghanistan and, um, and, you know, recently withdrawal and all the news around that. How do you, how has that been impacting you, you know, in your role in the military? Um, you know, being, being, being a ranger and an officer, um, has that impacted you guys um, in any way, maybe morale with the troops or anything like that? Like what's happening with you guys on the inside? This is like crazy to say this. I'm only 26 years old, but some of my soldiers who just got in were not alive on 9-11. And like, that's like crazy to think about because like I, whatever, I think I was five or six years old, but like, I remember that day so vividly of coming home from school and like watching it on the news, especially being from New York and stuff like that. But, you know, I think it's important for any leader to like have that conversation with their soldiers about what happened on that day and, and what the nation was like, you know, post 9-11, you know, everybody was flying American flags on their vehicles. I mean, you know, there was so much unity, um, you know, nobody cared, you know, what your story was, you know, on that day, at that moment on September 11, 2001, everybody was an American and that's all that mattered. And that's what I preached to, to you know, my soldiers who, you know, fortunately, or, you know, unfortunately, however you want to look at it, you know, weren't alive on that day, but, or weren't born yet. But I mean, I have that conversation with them. And I, and I tell them that, you know, on that day, it doesn't matter who you were or, or what was going on. Everybody was an American. And it was, uh, it was incredible to see that in the days afterwards. But, you know, that day's had a huge impact on my life. It's had a you know, huge impact on obviously, uh, you know, the military and, and stuff like that. But I, I would encourage any leader you know, who's in those shoes to, to have that conversation with their soldiers and, and to talk about it and uh, just, you know, explain to them the importance of that day and, and what happened to our country and, and what's been happening for so. But yeah, it was super important. Have you had to, uh, have you had to deploy to the Middle East at all? Uh, yeah, I deployed in uh, the spring of 2020. And, and like I said uh, earlier in the interview, I, uh, it's actually kind of a crazy story I carried a piece of steel rebar from me uh, with me from World Trade Center to the South Tower. Um, and how we were able to get that is like, I had to reach out to a, um, a fire chief in the FDNY, but um, really, um, you know, pieces and fragments of the World Trade Center is, is super, super sacred. Um, you know, I don't know how to say this. People don't like like pulling it out of New York City to like give, even in a situation like this where I am a ranger, that's uh, looking to deploy and want, and I want to carry something sentimental on me into the Middle East and stuff like that. But um, really I had to reach out to this fire chief and it was only after like 15 or 20 phone calls, um, a gentleman met me at like a gas station outside of New York City. And it was at like two o'clock in the morning and it was dark. And like, he never told me who he was, but he was like, hey, are you, you know, are you Jesse Fuchsia? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, handed me a plastic bag and the fragment is tiny, but he was like, Hey man, this is for you. You know, thanks for all that you do and, and carry that with you. So it was, it was pretty, a uh, pretty crazy story. And it just goes to show the sacredness of that day to, you know, New York city and the FDNY and how important that was. But obviously I explained my story and, and how I'm about to go over there as a ranger and how I'm from New York and how that day is the reason why I'm in the military today and, and why I want to carry that piece with me. And obviously they made a arrangement to make it happen, which was pretty special to me. So. Yeah, that's really special. Um, you know, what, what, um, 
did you go did you spend time in afghanistan when you went over there yeah and it was we were doing uh the things that we do and and stuff like that i can't go the whole lot of detail um but it was still an incredible opportunity to serve with such a great organization and with the men and women i served with it's like I said, just, just being in an organization like that, I'm a huge believer in that steel sharpens steel and that, uh, you know, if you want to be the best that you've got to train with the best and it's only going to make you better. And, and that, you know, that organization, you know, epitomizes that, that getting better every day is, is a must. And you're only going to do that by being around uh, other really great people. So it was a privilege to be there and to serve with those guys. And, I mean, I deployed once, Jason. I mean, there are Rangers in the 75th that have deployed probably well over 20 times. And it just speaks to the level of commitment that so many of those officers, non-commissioned officers, junior officers have in that organization. It's, it's a pretty special place, and it was a privilege to be there. So, Yeah, no, that's crazy uh, to be deployed that much. Um, so um, you've got 10,000 doors as a goal. Um, are you, are you uh, looking to do a full 20? In the army, you think? Um, you think you'll go that far? Yeah, I mean, I listen. I love the camaraderie of the army, and I love being with the soldiers and stuff like that. That's like the best part is like going out to the field with your soldiers and and training and, and doing all that stuff. So, you know, my goal is to do this with the real estate as long as I possibly can. And from the time being, like, I definitely think it's scalable. I think we'll need the right systems and processes in place um, so that I can still be in the military while doing this real estate thing on the side. But the goal here is yeah, to continue the military career. I, I love the army and I love the military as a whole. Again, it's been a privilege to be in it and to serve and to live in this great country. So the goal for the time being is to remain in the military and, and do this full time with the real estate. So. Nice. Nice, man. I love it. Well, um, I love, I love the education that you're giving to your troops. Um, I think that's so powerful. Um, and um, I, I wish that, there were more leaders in our military that had the understanding of this access, you know, for creating wealth that we do. And then, uh, you know, coincidentally able to share that um, with our troops and stuff. So uh, kudos to you, man. Thanks for, thanks for leading the charge on that. And, um, you know, the more that we can share this with people, you know, the more lives we're going to be able to help and, you know, make it so these, you know, one day veterans will have an awesome retirement, you know, not a barely making it uh, retirement, but, you know, retire well, retire wealthy. That's, that's the goal, right? That's the goal, brother. And, and Jason, the, the, the Titan of the VA loan, brother. I mean, to be on a, a call and a zoom with you today is a privilege. So I appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule. I mean, you hustle, I know you hustle. So I appreciate everything that you do and, and educating people. And uh, you're the first guy I uh, refer people to when I, uh, you know, I'm ever trying to link someone together with a VA loan broker. So I appreciate everything you do, brother. Awesome. Well, thanks, Jesse. Love having you on the show, man. We'll have to uh, continue this and uh, learn about this uh, mobile home park once you take it down and um, see what you got coming up next so we can uh, share this progress and how you're going to get to 10,000 doors, man. It's a great story. And uh, thank you so much for being on the show. Jason, you're the man, brother. Thanks for having me on. We'll catch you next time. All right. Thanks, Jesse. Thank you so much for checking out today's episode. If you have any questions about the guests on the show, please reach out to me at valoanguy.us.